Hi everyone, David Harris here with you for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus, Amy Coney Barrett on criminal justice issues in the Supreme Court. By the time you hear this, Amy Coney Barrett will be done with her hearings. She may even have had a vote and be confirmed. It's all moving so fast, it's really hard to predict. She's going on the Supreme Court, folks. Uh, The people who have her nominated and who support her have the votes. There's very little doubt of that. But what can we expect from her on the issues that we talk about here on criminal injustice? Well, she's conservative, we know that, so she'll be pro-prosecution and anti-defendant, right? Well, no, not so fast. Uh, There's a lot of confusion, I find, when people want to talk about issues like this. They confuse political conservatism and judicial conservatism. Political conservatism means she will always vote for the police and the prosecutor. Judicial conservatism means something else. It's a particular view of the Constitution and a view of the law and a view of the judge's role. And therefore, with the Supreme Court not being a sentencing court, uh, it's much tougher to predict what justices will do. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts gets a lot of flack from the right these days. He can't be conservative because when he had an Obamacare case in front of him with the Supreme Court, he voted with the liberals and upheld Obamacare. Well, the destruction of Obamacare is clearly a conservative political goal. But let me assure you that Chief Justice Roberts is quite conservative and has been responsible for some of the biggest conservative victories in the Supreme Court. This is the guy who gutted the Voting Rights Act, for God's sake. He's really conservative. So what can we expect from Justice Amy Coney Barrett? And if she's not a justice as you're hearing this, she will be soon. I'm very, very confident of that. So she's conservative. Uh, Her mentor, uh, for whom she clerked on the Supreme Court, was none other than Justice Antonin Scalia. Coney Barrett said in her first remarks after being nominated, his judicial philosophy is mine too. By that, she meant she is an originalist, a textualist. Originalist meaning original meaning of the Constitution. Textualist meaning I read the text and it says what it says. She commented, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the meaning of the words of the Constitution does not change over time. But this by itself does not predict outcomes. As we know, Even the originalists disagree. They don't all have the same views of what the original meaning was. It's one of the reasons that originalism is not a complete philosophy that tells you what to do every time and tells you what the outcomes are. It's one of the reasons that everybody can say they're an originalist in some respect. So what do we know about what she's going to do? The best way to think about this is what has she said already? I think there are very clear indications in her writings 
before becoming an appeals court judge, and even afterward, she is very much against Roe versus Wade. She's going to vote to overturn that case when she gets a chance. On gun rights, she has written uh, about her very expansive view of gun rights. I think it's fair to say that she will vote to expand gun rights under the Second Amendment. Why am I so sure? Because she's actually said things about those particular issues. So what about criminal justice issues? We have much less to go on in our field um, because she's only been a judge since 2017. And, uh, you know, criminal justice wasn't her field as an academic. She was focused on other things. Um, But I expect a much more mixed record here in criminal justice issues than just what that political term conservative would tell you. And one sure window into this is to actually look at her mentor's record, at the record of Justice Scalia on criminal justice and policing issues. I think it is much more nuanced than I bet you do because I've been studying his opinions for years and years and teaching them to my own students. Uh, For instance, on the Fourth Amendment, that's the amendment that says the people shall be protected from unreasonable searches and seizures and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, blah, blah, blah. It's the search and seizure amendment. On the Fourth Amendment, Justice Scalia is often quite protective of the rights of citizens. Uh, If a police officer moves an object to find its serial number, which wasn't visible without that rather small movement by the police officer, that, Justice Scalia told us, is a search for Fourth Amendment purposes. The police officer needs a warrant even for that very small movement of the object. Using a thermal imager pointed at a house to find out if the resident of the house was growing cannabis? It's a search, said Justice Scalia. Go get a warrant. The government wants to use statements in a prosecution of statements made to police by domestic violence victims when the victims won't later be available to testify. They want to use the statements instead. Sorry, said Justice Scalia. No, that violates the defendant's rights under the confrontation clause of the Sixth Amendment. So he was surprising to a lot of people if they just thought of him as being a conservative without understanding what that means in the minds of judges. Okay, so again, what about Amy Coney Barrett? Well, again, the record is small. She's only been a judge since 2017, but I read her as someone who won't necessarily bend over backwards to take the prosecution or government supporting position. For instance, here's a Fourth Amendment opinion that she was involved in. Uh, Here's the basics. The government needs a warrant if they want to go into someone's home period. The only exceptions are for emergencies, so-called exigencies, and if they get someone's consent to enter the person's home. In one Fourth Amendment case, before Judge Barrett and some colleagues, the police went to a home. They knew that the place 
was the home of a male resident. The door was answered by a female who the police did not know. They asked this female person if they could enter, and she said, okay. She said yes. She gave consent. But in point of fact, she did not live there. She happened to be the man's ex, who was just there at the time. Thus, she had no right to give them legal consent, and therefore the entry to the home was illegal, and any evidence found in the home by the police had to be suppressed. But the prosecution argued the female had come to the door wearing a bathrobe. What difference would this make? Therefore, it would be reasonable, argued the prosecution, for the police to believe that she could give consent even though the police knew of no female resident of the home. This was an attempt to use a doctrine that we call apparent consent, under which the police can be found to have reasonably believed that a person other than the homeowner could give consent. Given facts like, in other cases, the person had a key, the person had personal items in the residence that they talked about, or the person calling it our house, that is the kind of thing that gives rise to apparent consent. But just the fact that the person was wearing a bathrobe, said Judge Barrett, that is not the same thing. That does not make the person an apparent resident, a person who police would reasonably believe could give consent to enter the home to police. Maybe the person had stayed there a night as a guest. That doesn't make it reasonable to believe she would have the right to admit the police, so the prosecution loses. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, EMTs, whatever you need when you need them most straight to your door. Now, when my family had the job of selling our family home after it was empty, we knew we needed a security system we could count on. My brother, the electrician, the guy who's the most tech savvy of all of us, he recommended we go with Simply Safe, and boy, am I glad we did. It was easy, it was affordable, and it was good. It performed, and we were safe. Simply Safe protects every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in just 30 minutes. It's really easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment they get an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract. There are no hidden fees and no installation costs. Right now, my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/injustice. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/injustice for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe, S I M P L I 
S-A-F-E, that's simplysafe.com slash injustice. Another search and seizure case that was before Judge Barrett. The police get an anonymous tip that in a car parked in a certain place, there were, quote, boys who were, quote, playing with guns. It was an anonymous tip. The police went to the place and found the car and blocked it in with multiple squad cars, got those boys out of the car and then searched the car, finding guns. And then they used the guns as evidence to prosecute one of those people in the car. Now, it's important to understand that anonymous tips can be enough to supply probable cause for an arrest or a search, but they generally need some corroborating evidence to back them up. It's too easy to fabricate evidence and put it in the form of an anonymous tip. They also need some degree of specificity about what illegal conduct the suspect is engaging in, or better yet, predicting what the suspect will be doing in the near future, walking across the field in a particular direction, heading for a particular destination in that car. None of that was present. Judge Barrett ruled that this bare-bones anonymous tip simply was not enough to constitute probable cause. Just boys with guns isn't enough because it's very nonspecific and Also, and here we're leading into something else we know is of interest to Judge Barrett, possessing guns is a perfectly legal thing, she said. And then, third case in point here, there's the ugly doctrine of qualified immunity, which has been used by courts to protect police engaged in really awful misconduct against later lawsuits, Why? Because a reasonable police officer would not have known at the time it was a clear violation of the law, whatever the misconduct happened to be. Now, you may recognize this phrase of qualified immunity as something that's really been in the in the reform talk, the air since the murder of George Floyd. Now, the the case of Rainsberger v. Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R, was a case that came before Judge Barrett and her colleagues on the appeals court. In this case, the police officer, his name was Benner, he swore out a probable cause affidavit against Rainsberger, charging him with a violent crime against his own mother. This resulted in charges against Rainsberger, but a year later, prosecutors dropped the charges for a total lack of evidence. Rainsberger sued police officer Benner because Benner had filled the affidavit with lies and deliberately misleading statements and omitted crucial facts, such as the DNA testing that had shown the DNA of two other unrelated men on the blanket thrown over his mother's head when she was found, and no DNA from Rainsberger. Benner claimed qualified immunity from the lawsuit because he had shown probable cause, and there is a good-faith exception for police officers who rely on probable cause determinations in good faith. Judge Barrett would have none of it, and I want to read you a quote from her opinion. 
Here she goes. What Benner is really arguing then is that he is entitled to qualified immunity if a well-trained officer could reasonably but mistakenly conclude that it was lawful to include an incriminating lie in an affidavit because the lie wasn't material to the probable cause determination. Of course, a competent officer would not even entertain the question whether it was lawful for him to lie in a probable cause affidavit. The hypothetical officer in the qualified immunity analysis is one who acts in good faith. That is what the standard of objective reasonableness is designed to capture. Close quote. Okay, so I don't see a judge there who's going to simply lie down for the prosecution or the police in every case. Now, there are a few other criminal justice cases in Barrett's record, really not too many, and that's almost beside the point. Prediction here is always hazardous when you're talking about what a justice-to-be will do. But the main thing to understand is that a Justice Coney Barrett is as likely to be as picky about the Constitution as her mentor, Justice Scalia, was. And that will make her less predictable on these issues than people think if they imagine that conservative always means lock him up, support the police. That's it, your bonus episode on Justice Amy Coney Barrett and criminal justice issues that may come before the Supreme Court. You can always hear our material here on criminal injustice by going to our website. That's criminalinjusticepodcast.com, where you'll find all of our episodes with interviews of the most interesting actors in the criminal justice process. You'll find our news bonuses and our other features. Remember that we are listener-supported. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice. We really appreciate those of you who are supporting us. That's it. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time. Music